Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Lawn Feed Podcast, powered by your friends over at Twin Cities Seed. The Lawn Feed Podcast is designed for DIY homeowners with a passion for lawn care, where we deliver your lawn care topics in a super simplified way. And we do this in a space where all experience levels are welcome, egos are left at the door, successes are celebrated, and there are no failures. Here, we call them learning moments. I am Andrew, the Dad Bod Lawn, and joining me is Chris. Oh, it's bow time. Hello. Along with Vince from Rooted Lawn Co. Howdy. And in this episode, we are discussing the three different zones and why they are important to know prior to planting any grass, plants, or anything of that nature. We will also hit on the pros and cons of different cool season grass types, which in the next several episodes, we'll be doing a deep dive into, and they will correspond to our free grass guide that is out called what grass type is best for me? This is all to give you the resources that you need to make the best educated decision prior to buying any grass seed or giving you the info that helps you manage your current grass types easier. I wish I had that when I was starting out. <laughs> right? Right. Big thank you to our friends over at Twin City Seed for powering this episode and season three of the Lawn Feed Podcast. Twin City Seed has built their reputation on superior service, Accuracy and sustainability with custom blending and packaging, high-performance product, and a team of dedicated experts. Twin City Seed is a North American leader in giving DIYers the highest quality of premium and elite grass seed for your next project. Now through the end of January 2024, take 20% off all pre-orders of turf grass using code WINTER20. And on top of that, receive free shipping by pairing promo code FREESHIP24. All pre-orders will ship out no later than March 15th, 2024 to gear you up for your spring projects. Twin City Seed proudly serves all of North America now. Keyword, all of North America. That means Canada. Hi. Yeah, eh? So check them out over at (laughs) TwinCitySeed.com and TwinCitySeed.ca. Now, before we get into the grass, we just got to do some dad's wins and losses. We are dads first here at the lawn feed, and then we're lawn dads second. With parenthood, we win some, we lose some. And in this segment, uh, all of the dads and the moms can laugh and cry if you choose to as we share a win and a loss of parenthood. So, Chris, you got anything to share with us, buddy? Yeah, I've got a few. We'll just narrow that sucker right down to two. But, um, well, I guess we can start with the win because that's like a super proud dad moment. Um, so just for context, my kids are, uh, so about to be seven and just turned five. Um, my oldest is in first grade and we are just like going through the whole process of like winter break, all of these different things. And at his school, there is like a kid of the week. They have like this thing called family reunion at the end of each week and every, every single Friday, the classes get together and they kind of just like celebrate the wins for the week and like that kind of kind of like what we're doing right here. Sure. Um, but for their grade and their classes and kind of to a chance to give, you know, some kids some shout outs and stuff like that. So right before winter break, my oldest got named like 
like a gold star of the of the week which was pretty cool so it was like cool coyote of the week that's what that's what it's called and i didn't even know this was a thing but the week that he goes back you know we go through christmas we go through new year's and then comes back uh apparently there's this thing called cool coyote of the month which there's only like 30 kids in the whole school that get that get this every single month and like didn't even know it existed until he came back into the car after one day and just like eyes glowing, super pumped up to tell us all about it. And was just like, guys, guess what? <laughs> We're like, whoa, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you this excited in my entire life. So he was super pumped to tell us about that. And obviously like we didn't know it was a thing. So like, we're asking questions like completely dumbfounded. Like, is this real? <laughs> like, are you sure you're cool coyote of the month? Question yeah. mark. It happened but, at like, recess. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, did you guys just make up an award? Like, cool, dude. Um, turns out like, okay, cool. He's good as he has his picture like up on the wall along with like all of these other kids and comes home with a cool certificate. And it's just like, it's just one of those like cool things like, dang, all right, we're doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> confirmation. Parents. Yeah. Right. So that was pretty, that was really, really cool. Cause like Christmas and the holiday, it's super stressful. And to have like two back to back things like that, where that part's pretty sweet. I, that was just a cool, cool dad part. On the flip side, uh, going to my youngest, uh, we're going through like regression hardcore. And my wife was, she went to Disney World mm -hmm. um, with her sister. So guys like just watching the kids and what could possibly go wrong uh, when when that scenario takes place. Uh, turns out that the, everything went fine, but regression mode comes in. He's five. Just... <laughs> routine is thrown all the way off and we got i think two three hours of sleep the first night she was gone just blowout after blowout after blowout after blowout and i'm just like oh this is fun <laughs> i haven't had to deal with a blowout in a while <laughs> not like a tire blowout like a poop blowout so that was kind of fun Whoa. uh you're on a grass podcast learning about blowouts from yeah regression so that like obviously like it, it is what it is it's kind of like an isolated thing but like we just woke up the next day like we're just gonna move on and uh yeah. we're gonna have a yes day and <laughs> just we're like a, and we're taking a nap yeah and a couple naps which we did which was great but uh it was actually funny we did a bluey party uh as you guys know i'm a huge bluey uh, family they came out with new episodes in january 12th big bluey so, guy yeah they added like 10 or 12 episodes to season three so if you haven't had a chance to watch those, watch those because they're actually pretty darn good. It'll um, take you an hour. It will take you an hour. That's about it. Seven and a half minute episodes. Perfect for everything. But yeah, man, the good old wins and losses of parenthood and regression and all that. But should we yeah. talk about some grass? I feel yeah, like we've got some grass stuff to talk about. So as you guys knew, uh, talked about, or as we talked about last episode, we're going to uh, kind of bring you through the journey from from scratch, you know, as, as the year goes on. And, and today's all about learning about the different zones, uh, the growing zones and cool season grass types. So understanding your environment is a huge in, important process of this entire thing. So before planting anything, um, it's super important that we know where our growing zone is and where you're even located, right? And the reason is that different grass types perform best in specific zones um, and, and choosing the right one is really, really important in terms of 
how that is going to be best suited for your area and how that plant's going to perform. So a good place to start, I always recommend starting uh, on the on the plant hardiness zone map, just because it's most common. If you like a if anyone in your life is a gardener, um, generally speaking, they they would start here. Um, in the U.S., the USDA uh, just just updated their plant hardiness map um, in fall of 2023, and the last time that this was updated was I think 2012. So it's been a while. 2012, um, yeah. So like, there's 2020, 20, 20 <laughs> hmm, math and words. Get the Jetsons over here in the future. Yeah, 2012. Good, good Lord. 2012. Uh, so 11 years ago, whatever it is, obviously some decent changes have been made in terms of like climate change and understanding where temperatures are at and all that stuff but this map is a standard by which like gardeners and growers can determine their like what perennial plants will be most likely to thrive in a specific location Um, bases off of annual extreme minimum temperatures which is like winter temperatures obviously Um, and it's broken up into 10 degree like increments of zones and then there's like sub zones like a and b and things like that Um, like i said the last time this was updated was like 10 12 years ago so like in my area my zone changed, which is super weird, um, as, as weird as that might sound. So, like, it's it's important to look at that and also look at the most current in terms of, like, what plant hardiness zone that you're at. Um, that's for the U.S. and Canada. Natural Resources Canada is a very similar map system that reflects how the USDA approaches, uh, like, our, like, the U.S. map. Uh, based upon zones and climatic conditions across the country. But uh, they're or excuse me, they have the same one for minimum winter temperature, but then they also have uh, ones based upon uh, climatic conditions across the country. So uh, just Google plant hardiness in your area. So for Canada, that's uh, planthardiness.gc.ca. And then for the U.S., that's planthardiness.ars.usda.gov. And that's kind of your starting point. Uh, When we're talking about grasses, though, so that's, that's kind of just a high level. When we're talking about grasses, it, it basically gets broken down into three different zones, or there's two different grass types that create three different zones. Uh, in, North, in all of North America, there's the cool season zone, which is primarily the northern states and provinces. So in the U.S., that's zones three and five, and basically all of Canada, right? Uh, the, the best, the, the, this zone is best to exclusively plant cool season grasses, obviously. Uh, it might not be obvious to some, but for us, that we that's very basic right so it's kentucky bluegrass perennial ryegrass tall fescue or turf type tall fescue and fine fescues flip the script go down south you have the warm season zone which is where primarily you would plant warm season grasses if you're following a trend here uh that's where you're going to have saint augustine bermuda centipede joiza um etc you're going to have all of those and <laughs> yeah, but what I, I still can't pronounce that. How do you actually? What's the actual proper pronunciation of that? I think it's Bahia. Okay, yeah, Bahia. Perfect. So obviously, I'm in the cool season zone, right? <laughs> so you have kind of the two uh, pieces of bread on the sandwich, right? You have the cool season and then the warm season, but then in the middle, you have this sliver called the transition zone, and that's an area in between those where you can plant cool or warm season grasses kind of depending on what your 
like localized climate will allow you to do and what your preference really is based upon your local environment. And that's just a choice kind of like you have to make. And if we're looking at like the USDA zones, that's a large part of zone six, zone seven, uh, kind of everywhere in between that. So again, why is this really important? Uh, certain grass types perform better or worse in specific conditions and environments. And you want to make sure that you choose the right grass type for that environment. So if you choose a warm season grass and plant it in a cool season environment, you're probably going to fail. And if you do succeed, if you're a little bit north in that transition zone, for example, you're probably going to be putting unnecessary amounts of input into that um, that you wouldn't otherwise need, right? So lastly, there's obviously microclimates and environments to consider uh, when selecting the right grass type for your property. And what I mean by this, and we'll obviously get into this as the year goes on, but what grass might grow best in dense shade? What grass might grow best in full sun? What grass is going to be best in sandy soil versus clay soil, uh, extreme drought conditions, etc. So when we're primarily, uh, you know, when, when you look at that, making the right selection is really important, but understanding your local zone is probably the most important thing for long-term success. Now, here on the lawn feed, we're going to be primarily talking about cool season grasses um, in the transition zone, or it's like cool season zone and transition zone for cool season grass types. So throughout this episode, we're going to break down the different grass types that are most popular for homeowners for cool season grasses. Um, so let's kind of just go around the horn. Vince, you want to break down Kentucky bluegrass? Kentucky bluegrass, which is my favorite type of grass, although I am turning into a big perennial ryegrass guy. Um, getting you. But, you know, my love for Kentucky bluegrass is always going to be there. Uh, and the reason for that um, is it's just known for its lush emerald green, uh, thin, soft blades, carpet-like structure. Just Man. feels good in your toes. Got to reel you back in. <laughs> Come on back. And it thrives in zone three to seven. So bringing you back in. So a couple of the pros that we like to, um, like I was just mentioning, it's got this lush appearance. Uh, it's got a dark, deep green color. Uh, it does have that fine texture of the leaf blade. It's a little bit thinner. Uh, that way it's it feels softer as you're walking around. Uh, it's got that carpet-like appearance. Uh, and it's kind of like a carpet-like appearance because it um, not only can self-repair, but it has these rhizomes and tillers and just makes it a super thick mat of grass in there. So if you have dogs, high traffic areas, it's great for that. A lot of professional sports will have this in their uh, stadiums because of the self-repairing, the durability mm -hmm. um, that Kentucky bluegrass has to offer. Um, <clears throat> That's probably my favorite thing, a characteristic of a bluegrass. Mm -hmm. The self-repair. Self yeah. Yeah. I, I don't... It's, it's a game changer when... If, if we get some disease pressure and you have a little bit of kill off from, from the not being able to get to it right away... You just keep fertilizing it, watering it, mowing it, mm -hmm. and it will patch itself up and you don't have to constantly be seeding every year and doing patch ups. Yep. So, but with all good things, there are some cons. Uh, it does have a uh, sunlight requirement, so it does thrive in the sunnier areas. Um, it does struggle a little bit in the shaded areas. Uh, although, if I'm central pennsylvania so i'm i'm 
pretty close to the transition zone. Uh, the Kentucky bluegrass does require some watering, um, a little bit more than oh, yeah. other types of grasses like tall fescue, but more and more, uh, drought tolerant varieties are coming out and allowing you to put less inputs like water into them. So it is drought sensitive. Uh, you do need some sunlight, it can't be in shade and it does take a while to germinate. So make sure if you're doing seeding projects or if you're doing full renovations, you're going to give yourself um, several weeks for it to germinate. Um, some, some can germinate in about 10 days, but the most likelihood you're going to be germinating around like the 14 to 21 day window for Kentucky bluegrass. So you got three weeks of watering and just waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, otherwise, I touched on just very briefly, you have the heat dormancy. So in the hot, hot summers, if you don't have irrigation, you don't plan on watering it, your bluegrass will probably go dormant. It's going to turn brown. It's going to look ugly. But once it starts getting cool, that lush green carpet's going to come on back uh, and you're going to have an awesome fall with it. Which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, like from the health, of the overall health of the plant. I mean, right. there's, there's obviously risk to that, but as long as you keep it watered enough and so it doesn't die, there's no, like, it, like Vince said, it's just going to be ugly. That's all. Yeah. Right. But it's very good at playing defense. So well, you, don't, you don't have to mow it as often either. I mean, you won't really have to mow it at all. So it's take the summer off, go to the beach. Yeah. Why not? Why not? That's what you do, Andrew. So you're good. Right. <laughs> yeah. I really don't have a whole lot of KBG in my lawn though. So I still that's true. That's no. true. But so. KBG is great. And I mentioned a little bit about perennial ryegrass, which I starting to love. Mm. Chris, give us some pros and cons of perennial ryegrass. PRG. I, I do love myself some perennial rye. So uh, this grass type is super popular and loved for its rapid germination. I think that's probably the biggest pro. Uh, we're talking days, not weeks, like Vince just mentioned mm -hmm. on germination. Um, so it's great for overseeding, great for like, patch cleanup like that kind of thing um and this particular grass type is really good in any cool season zone uh it, anywhere but it can go all the way down to zone eight with one caveat uh and i'll get to that in a second um and providing a dark green lawn very very fine texture uh and i mentioned kind of going south uh you can you can overseed for you know, a warm season like Bermuda lawn or something like that for, you know, when that goes dormant as well. It's a very popular option for, for warm season folks. Um, but for cool season folks and for people that have noticed all of those patterns in the lawns and like baseball fields and things like that, perennial ryegrass stripes like none other. Mm -hmm. And I like uh -huh. me some lawn stripes, right? Those are just fun to do and kind of impress the neighborhood and things like that. And that's just more of an aesthetic thing than anything else. But uh, very, uh, uh, obviously nice cherry on top, but in terms of like health of the plant, why would you want perennial ryegrass? So the pros mentioned earlier, quick establishment, we're talking days, not weeks. I think on my latest overseed, I had perennial ryegrass coming up at like day three, which is insane. Um, when you're talking about 21 days for like Kentucky bluegrass, um, obviously that's a long-term play maybe versus a short-term play, which I'll, I'll touch on, uh, very, very fine texture. Like you just mentioned Vince with Kentucky bluegrass, perennial ryegrass is super soft. Mm -hmm. feels like a real nice carpet underneath a barefoot. 
um, which is you just want to lay in the lawn all day, which is pretty nice. Um, perennial ryegrass is super traffic tolerant. I think that's one of my favorite parts of it is my kids and I like, this is my front lawn. It's exclusively perennial ryegrass and me and my, like, that's my showcase poster child of a front lawn. That's what I show off. But me and my kids are also playing on it, like playing soccer on it every single day throughout the summer and it handles perfect. Like there's, there's a reason why a lot of these turf grass professionals are using these for athletic fields professionally amateur but anything um for sports related because of the durability and, and traffic tolerance there it's very versatile uh you can pair it with almost any other cool season grass type um obviously you can stretch that into the warm season zone for different reasons um but that's that's there it's very versatile um and it handles the cold very very well um in terms of just the re like where you are in the region um i'm in minnesota uh, we get really, really harsh winters, and it handles and bounces back very well, uh, making it sustainable for regions with with cold temperatures. Um, obviously, like Ben said, in the list of pros, there's a list of cons. Um, the growth pattern is probably my least favorite portion of this. Uh, it's it's a bunch type grass, meaning it doesn't like really like self repair or spread or anything like that. So if you do have like a patch of disease, uh, like Vince was mentioning, or if uh, you decide to take a pitching wedge to your front lawn for whatever <laughs> reason and take a divot out, it's not going to grow back. Uh, you got to recede that. So, uh, that's, that's there. Um, it, it's just kind of par for the course. If you choose a grass type that doesn't spread, you're just going to have more seeding projects. I think that's just something you just got to get used to, but you're going to know that going into it. And that's why we're telling you about it. Right. Um, Drought sensitivity, uh, like Kentucky bluegrass, it's going to need a little bit more water um, to, to get to the roots and, and all of those different things. Uh, it, it, it does not look great when it doesn't get enough water. Um, I can say that firsthand. It, it looks ugly uh, for, for both the health and appearance. You just need to get it, get it wet and keep it wet um, for, for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, heat tolerance, it handles... so. It handles heat well, but it doesn't handle like hot, humid, sticky weather for like a three plus month period. And I'm talking like 90 degree Fahrenheit plus, uh, you know, for over like three months. If like you're in that zone, like middle of the country, it's probably not the best grass type for you. There's going to be better cool season options. Yeah, you're there's just better options for you. You're going to have more trouble than anything. Um but that obviously is hard to keep alive. And once perennial ryegrass goes dormant and dies off, it's pretty much toast, right? Um, it doesn't perform the best in shade. Uh, that's not to say it can't. It's just if you're in a dense shade area, I wouldn't really do it. Um, there's better options for you, which well, we'll get into in the other two grass types. Um, and then as far as disease, I, I feel like I feel like with all cool season grass types, you're going to have some risk of disease and that comes with good cultural practices and things like that. But if, if you're taking perfect care of it, right. Um, and it, it's susceptible to various diseases, uh, in the wrong conditions, but, uh, the ones that it is susceptible for, uh, can be a headache as I've, as I've witnessed, you know, one, one, especially being Pythium blight, which we'll get into later Shh, on this year, but don't say that name. I know, I know, but PB, I know. So like, I, I feel like there's a lot of things that you can do to prevent that as there is with any cool season grass type, but, um, it's just something to be mindful of. You know, I think those are the two higher maintenance grass types 
Um, and for those looking for more of a low maintenance grass type, let's touch on some tall fescue and the fescues. Yeah, I, you know, perennial ryegrass is known for sissy grass. They call it sissy grass. I joke around and I call tall fescue sissy grass because it you is so adaptable to so many different soil types. It's shade tolerant. It's heat tolerant. I mean, it's it's amazing. Other than dog pee spots, which any took. Ter- type of grass will still give you dog pee. I feel like tall fescue is if you want a nice looking lawn, medium to low inputs, tall fescue is what you're going to like. Yeah. Um, not to say that you can't mix different varieties into there, but tall fescue alone, just, it's just a easy, good looking grass. I'm um, on the bandwagon. I am. You are. Yeah. <laughs> Big fescue guy. Yeah. So zones three to BFG. seven. It does great up north, and it does really good in the transition zone as well. Um, a lot of people have it in, like, North Carolinas and stuff like that. So, uh, again, it's drought tolerant. does really good with uh, hotter areas where you're not going to have tons of rain. Uh, you go longer periods without rain. Um, it can adapt to different soil types. So clay, sandy, uh, it's just very versatile in the lawn um, overall. It does have some good disease resistance as well. It demonstrates good resistance uh, from a whole bunch of different diseases, but um, at least compared to other types of uh, cool season grasses like perennial ryegrass or Kentucky bluegrass. But the biggest drawback is that it does fall short when it tries to combat um, gray leaf spot or brown patch. Again, We'll get, into, we'll get into fungicides at a later point. There's always ways to be proactive instead of reactive, but it's always good to look at some of the, the, the frequently asked questions or the spec sheets of these different grass varieties out there to know what kind of, uh, one, zone you're in, two, what kind of fungus is present in those zones, and three, what kind of type of grass is going to be best in that zone to prevent those fungal issues or to stay uh, or to stay like above them so uh, like bluegrass it is pretty wear resistant Um, it makes great for like moderate to heavy foot traffic they're not going to be putting these in football stadiums but they are going to be putting these in more of your parks uh, your parks and rec areas uh, for for kids to play and mainly because if it's a large open area it's great for the sun if there's a bunch of trees around it's also great for the shade um it performs just very well in in both of those areas and it sounds perfect sounds like a great uh type of grass but there are some cons and if you're big into like the soft fine blade textured turf uh this isn't it it's got a beefier blade um, compared to kentucky bluegrass or the fine fescues um, so it's nice, but my, my buddy recently did a renovation of his lawn. He did tall fescue and he kind of put it in a funny way. He's like, it kind of feels like you're walking on marshmallows. Hmm. I don't know how your lawn feels. I know some of the marshmallows, marshmallows. It kind of bounces back. It bounces. It's more oh, of a spongy. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah. some of the new varieties, I know twin city seed, like resilience too, and stuff, it has more of a finer leaf blade which i was actually pretty impressed with it's soft uh, it's not it doesn't have this big fat thick like a kentucky 31 or something like that i don't know 
What do you well, what the, do you think? The, well, the genetics of uh, tall yeah. fescue and turf type tall fescue, even just over the past like ten years, had I mean, it's evolved so much. Oh, or yeah. I feel like we're we're just kind of at that quote unquote in air quotes infancy stages of what this cultivar is going to be doing um, or what this grass type is going to be doing. And I feel like it's only going to go up from here. Right. I mean, Andrew, you, you have it. So like, what's your experience with it? I mean, I honestly, like I've overseeded heavily with it and I, I don't, other than having a nice lush lawn, like I don't really notice any texture difference in my lawn and my lawn is primarily KBG and perennial ryegrass. Like, like you said, it is kind of like a finer, um, tall fescue, I would say. And I think that's also could be contributed to um, the reason why these new cultivars, like everything that's in the resilience to blends can be cut down shorter. Like everyone sees sure. tall mm-hmm. fescue as like, ooh, four or four and a half, five inches tall. It prefers to be between two, two and a half inches is like its ideal height. Mm. So I think maybe the fine texture of these leaf blades and the new genetics um, play, a, play a role in that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just going to put in there. I mean, this is the case with any of these topics that we're talking about. But with if you go with the cheap, like I, if you go with a more premium or elite blend, you're going to get better and finer results. And texture is obviously one of those. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and you just got to you just got to do your research in terms of what you want. So that that's all I was going to add. I just feel like, yeah, the, the plant genetics have evolved, but there's also the quality aspect of what you're going to invest to put into your lawn. That is going to be really important too. All right. Now coming into spring or your renovation time, wondering how quick, how long that you're going to have until you see germination for uh, turf type tall fescue. Again, it varies uh, in the level of grass seed that you're going to buy, uh, but it has more of a medium uh, germination rate. So it's not as quick as perennial rye, but it's also not as slow as some of the Kentucky blue grasses. So you just do have to be patient with the initial grow in with that as well. Um, and the seed variability, uh, turf type tall fescue blends can vary. Some are less reputable. Um, some have a lack of uniform, uh, Uniformity. 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 Man, I. Today's letter is you. Today's letter is you for uniformity. (laughs) Is that a 10 letter word? Holy (laughs) moly. So, seed variability, turf type tall fescue seed blends can vary. Sometimes uh, less reputable blends uh, may include some undesirable grass types in it, leading to potential issues with uniformity uh, in the lawn. So, it's essential to choose a higher quality seed blend uh, of those tall fescues. Uh, as we mentioned throughout this episode, make sure you see the uh, Twin City seed for those highest quality fescues, bluegrasses, perennial ryegrasses. Um, they have it all. So one last one last little tidbit since we are in winter, um, coming out of winter and spring, while some other grass types may green up quickly, it does have a little bit of a slower green up to them. But it thrives in the middle of summer. But yeah. it thrives. But it slaps. <laughs> when you're having parties. Slaps. Kids are out. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. It don't care about nothing. Yeah. It's real good for that 4th of July barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But there is still one more grass type to talk about. And I think it's kind of like the stepchild of the grass varieties. But people don't talk about fine fescues. No. Um, okay, fine. Underrated. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll talk about fine fescues. And I see it more as a role player. Like 
people don't talk about it because it's, it's not like the quarterback of the football team. It's like the, the placeholder on an extra point kind of guy. He serves a big purpose. And if he screws up, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, some of the pros of fine fescue, I mean, they call it fine fescue for a reason. It's a very fine texture. Um, the aesthetics are going to be like that carpet, that lush lawn feeling, kind of like a Kentucky bluegrass. Um, and this thrives so greatly in the shaded areas. This mm-hmm. is where fine fescues are like the king in shaded areas. Uh, stuff like creeping red fescue and the chewing fescues. Uh, these are best suitable in shaded areas where everything else is struggling. So in a lot of your sun and shade mixes, you're going to see a a percentage of fine fescue in there to kind of pick up the slack in those shaded areas where the Kentucky bluegrasses are going to be struggling and stuff like that. Um, It's also very low maintenance to take care of these kind of grasses. It's going to require less fertilizer and less water. Uh, These are, I feel like, feel like, tall or uh, fine fescues really do well in areas that you don't really care about a whole lot. It's like maybe if you have a large property and it has a lot of trees, this is going to be do really well in that area and look nice. Um, and it's kind of just off to the side and it's, you don't really have to fertilize it a whole lot. If it gets water, great. If it doesn't, whatever. Um, and that's kind of the pros of the fine fescues, but onto the cons it does not do well with traffic. So this is not something that you want to put in your backyard at a very high percentage necessarily. Uh, it just doesn't handle the foot traffic well. If you have dogs out there, if it's under constant pressure, it's going to thin out and it's going to require you to overseed it and uh, some upkeep to it. Full sun environments out of the four types of grass that we've spoke about, this is going to be the worst performing in the sun areas. Like, like I said, it thrives in the shade. That is the role of fine fescue is shaded areas and onto color out of the four. This is also going to be like the brightest green color. Um, a lot of people are looking for that nice, rich, dark green color, and this is just not going to do it for you. Um, but like I said, it's a role player. It does what it needs to for you. And lastly, it needs to drain well. It doesn't do well in uh, it, in areas that don't drain well. So uh, just a couple things to keep in mind for fine fescues. As we spoke about, we will touch on all of these in much, much more detail in the coming episodes where we're literally going to talk about one variety in an episode, maybe two. And so this is just skimming the surface, you guys. We're just mm-hmm. trying to get you get to the bullet points with the uh, fine fescue <clears throat> you mentioned on the um low maintenance a lot of people do like a no mow mm-hmm. type areas in their lawns right this is this would be one of those types of grass rise that you could do that with correct yeah yeah and i think uh the fine fescues are also in uh like the bee lawn mixture mm. is that right uh, yeah, for from Twin City Seed, they have the bee lawn mixture where it has all the clover and all these other flowers that um, bees can thrive in. Because you don't want to be cutting those as very often either, because it's going to ruin a habitat. So, yeah, I mean, it, it with with fine fescues, it's easily the most sustainable of the four, uh, right? Environmentally friendly of the four, and that's why you see that. But when when you look at all of those, that's a huge a huge. Like you said, Andrew, it's in a lot of places that maybe like a hillside or. Mm-hmm. under under trees or something like that, that you have a wooded area that you want grass in this is this might be good right right i Still do want to hit on one on i do i do want to hit on one thing before you wrap up sure. uh 
all of these will perform decent in sun, right? All cool season grasses will perform decent in sun. Some mm -hmm. will perform better than others. And just like in shade, some will outperform but some than others and so on and so forth. So uh, some of those landed in the cons because we needed to put them there. But um, that just means that there's another grass type that we talked about that is going to outperform that. Um, not to say that you can't put those in full sun or something like that. So that's which all is, I did. Which is why you don't necessarily have to go with just like a tough right. rescue only. You can mix right. these. Mm -hmm. And you get both the best worlds or a lot of, uh, some of the mixes are, you know, there's a mix of all three into one bag. So you get that, just that overall super durable spreading cool season lawn that you're, you're looking for. So yep, lots of options. Absolutely. Yep. We'll dive into all these a lot more detail in the coming episodes, guys. So stay tuned. Uh, we're excited uh, to talk. This, this is kind of our jam talking about this mm -hmm. geeky stuff. Uh, we're, we're weird lawn dads, but, uh, if you guys have any questions, uh, please email us, send us a DM, uh, comment. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we see all those and we, we would love to hear your guys' questions and be able to answer them for you and help you be successful and achieve your lawn goals in 2024. So, uh, thank you for tuning into this episode of the lawn feed podcast. Brad 15 gets you 15% off at thelawnfeed.com. Get yourself some nice swag looking good out in the lawn. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. See you. Later. Bye-bye. Bu